What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Season Gaming Bitcast. Today we're bringing you episode 44. Ains here with Dan and Bert as usual. Going to be talking about some of the financial results for all three console makers. We got their investors and financial reports this week. Talking about Quantic Dream, Kingdom Hearts 3, played a whole lot of Anthem, and we have a really strange but enticing rumor that we just heard in the last day or two as well. Bert's going to be reviewing Resident Evil 2 for us, and then we'll talk about a few more things as well. So, guys, let's kick it off with the um, the financial results for the consoles. And as we always talk about here, we you know we own and play all three consoles, and we try to keep telling people that all three are doing very well, and we got proof of that this week. So all three uh, companies excuse me, gave out their uh, investors reports for the fiscal year. And let's start with the Nintendo Switch. So Nintendo Switch, now over 32 million Switches have been sold in less than two years, which is incredibly impressive. It's actually faster not only than the Xbox One, but faster than even the PS4. Smash Brothers, that came out just over a month ago, is the fastest selling title in Nintendo's history. So if you just kind of wrap your mind around that for a second and think about all the major Mario games and Zelda games and Mario Kart games, the new Smash Brothers is the fastest selling ever at over 12 million copies. And they announced that Nintendo Online, despite only launching, uh, what, four or five months ago, is already over 8 million subscribers. So about 25% of the player base on the Switch. So this is all very, very positive news for the Switch. And uh, as we've talked about, you know, whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. And they just continue to show some really impressive numbers here. Yeah, it's funny because the, uh, I heard that the only other consoles that are anywhere near this in like uh, overall sales is going to be the Wii and the PlayStation 2. So we'll see where it actually ends up. You know, a lot of steam starting out for the Switch. We've talked about Switch sales numbers being pretty impressive for the last few bitcasts. And now we're kind of seeing everything kind of culminate to what their grand total in numbers are. And it, it just, uh, it'd be interesting to see if the steam continues. Um, there's been a lot of rumors coming out of a potential new mini Nintendo Switch, obviously rumors. I wonder if that'll slow down it or increase it even crazier for Switches sold. I'm assuming people that are big, you know, early console adopters are probably going to want that mini or whatever that rumored new console is going to be. Um, and that'll probably increase the numbers again and make it kind of inflate even bigger. So Nintendo's known for doing this. If you just follow their Nintendo DS release uh, calendar, there was a Nintendo DS, there was a Nintendo DS Lite, then it came the Nintendo 3DS and the 2DS, and now back to the 2DS. So just in the D in the DS family, we're looking at five plus different consoles. And then when you add all the skins into it, it gets even crazier. So expect to see this happening. And this is just kind of weird for it to be technically a home console, even though it's a more of a portable console and people play uh, kind of 50-50 we've seen. You know, a lot of people play on the go. Some people play at home dock. So very cool to see from the Switch. Yeah, it, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we never really are surprised at these Nintendo numbers. I mean, it's just, they just keep doing it, man. A third, you know, almost a 33 or a little bit over 33, right? Percent uh, attach rate for Smash Brothers. Yeah. Like, gross. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. That's, that's, that's nuts. And the 8 million Nintendo Online users, you know, I know it doesn't necessarily provide a whole lot, but it's only 20 bucks. So, you know, you basically get that, you know, emulator where, where you can play your NES games and, you know, Smash Brothers Online. I mean, that. That doesn't surprise me one bit. I mean, Nintendo does Nintendo, and they do it really, really well, and they're going to keep doing it. I'm not sure about this little mini Switch. Uh, I think that's, you know, the console nobody ever asked for. So, <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, I'd like to see it better. Uh, you know, we've talked about it before, a, a lot better version. A higher, of a higher end Switch. Yeah, higher end, right. Instead of giving me a smaller one, I can't see the stuff on the screen as it is now i you know i don't <laughs> I need something with a little bit higher definition so we'll see where they go probably up that'd be my guess <laughs> yeah one other interesting note here is that uh, mario kart 8 deluxe the port from the wii u is now the best-selling game on the switch with over 15 million copies so that's nearly half of all switch owners have owned mario kart 8 which it was a wii u title originally so yeah and so if you if you combine the wii u sales to the switch sales oof yeah, it's, it's stupid because the Wii U, if I'm not mistaken, the Mario Kart Deluxe was the Wii U highest selling exclusive as well. So, now does that yeah. include uh, the uh, the fact that you know Mario Kart came with a lot of it was it came bundled with the Switch, especially yeah, they the probably include that too. They yeah. include that yeah. too. Okay, it makes yeah. probably a little bit more sense then. Yeah. yeah, but to Bert's point, that means yeah, yeah Mario Kart Eight is probably a twenty plus million copy selling game. 
Brains yeah. bonkers. Which is something you don't see on PlayStation or Xbox at all. No. Even, if, even if you look at something like a Halo. So you got the Halo 1 for the OG Xbox and it kind of remastered and now it's on. The numbers still don't come to close to that. So it's no. just, it's stupid. So Yeah, the best-selling Halo game is Halo 3 at about 13 million. So just yep. puts it in perspective. All right. So PlayStation. Um, we all kind of know PlayStation's been killing it. And uh, the, the, no surprise here with the financial results. Uh, if there is a surprise, it's honestly how big it's grown year over year. So we are now at 94 million PS4s shipped. So somewhere probably, you know, just over 90 million sold through, maybe something like that. It is on a pace very similar to the PS2. The PS2 obviously had that really long tail at the end, which took it to be the best-selling console of all time. Whether or not the PS4 will continue to do that, we'll see. We've kind of mentioned that before. But here's the interesting thing about PlayStation. So year over year, quarter results. So this fiscal quarter for PSN and network services are up 45%. So that is just tremendous growth. And now PSN revenue, which includes all network services, things like PS Now, PS Plus subscribers, digital purchases, you know, all of that all up, $12.5 billion annually, which is more than all of Microsoft's gaming division. So that's more than Xbox is worth, and it's more than Nintendo is worth. Um, just PSN and the network services for PlayStation. It's insane, man. I mean, it's just insane, but awesome at the same time, you know, they just, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to say. I'm not a huge numbers guy. so. I look at these numbers and I go, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but all I see is $12.5 billion annually just for the network revenue. That's gross. That's so much money. And they're just sitting there, you know, you know, it's, it's so big for Sony. It's bolstered the company because the company, yeah. Yeah. Just smoking exactly. their cigars and Sony, a lot of divisions of Sony were struggling or you yeah. know, downright in trouble. And PlayStation four has just been so popular. Um, it's really bolstered the company. That's awesome. Yeah, the Sony brand, if you remember 80s and 90s, everybody wanted a Sony TV, you wanted your Walkman, you wanted your CD player, etc. And then the 2000s came around and Sony as a company struggling altogether. TVs started losing quality. There was no longer a need for a Walkman or a, a Discman <laughs> or I forgot what the little MP3 players they had were and all of a sudden uh, Apple took over that industry. So Sony kept, uh, the PlayStation 4, I should say, that brand has kept Sony alive and now Sony's making a slight comeback with TVs and stuff again. So very cool to kind of see uh, just for your uh, historical record the playstation 2 was on sale from the year 2000 to the year 2012 that's how long they were in production <laughs> and um the overall sales of the playstation 2 was around 153 to 154 million co uh, consoles sold the reason i mention all that is because the playstation 4 is on a higher track record as far as getting to where playstation 2 was at this point in their sales uh, area so where is the PlayStation 4 going to end? You know, being that the rumored consoles are coming in the next two years, is it going to be anywhere near 154 million? Is it going to be 160, 170? We don't know. Um, the What kept the PS2 alive for so much is the other regions of the world that had that console for so long, places like South America, Africa, and parts of certain Asian countries that, you know, still, at, to this day, funny enough, still play their PlayStation 2. So um, we'll see if the PlayStation 4 does the same thing. Overall, amazing numbers. Good for them. It's good to see them to be so successful and keeping the composition alive for the other two big makers. Yeah, I just hope, uh, and obviously I think they probably do, but I just hope this is being reinvested, right? For just more games yeah. and the PS5 and everything else instead of propping up other parts of Sony. So I'm yeah. sure it is and uh, should be some future things we'll see that'll be impressive. Yeah, big talk right now is that backwards compatibility coming yeah. next gen. We'll see what happens, but we're not gonna flame that. So. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that when we know more. Um, all right, moving to Xbox. So um, very impressive numbers here as well. So we, as we always talk about, we don't have specific console sale numbers. It was a kind of insider information that came out a couple weeks ago that said the low 40s and millions of units sold. Um, we just know it's somewhere in that ballpark, for the, you know, low to mid 40s. The interesting numbers here are, again, growth. So year over year growth for the Microsoft gaming division, which is obviously Xbox, uh, up 23% year over year. Their software and services, very similar to PSN or on PlayStation side, up 31% year over year. And the Xbox division now worth $11.5 billion annually. The last report was that they were worth $10 billion annually. So just in this last quarter, the overall growth of the Xbox brand has gained $1.5 uh, billion in three months. 
And then uh, the in other interesting thing here is they announced there's now 64 million active monthly Xbox Live users. Sorry, that was a, a mouthful to say. But 64 million people sign into Xbox Live every month. If you recall, that's uh, up substantially because the last report we got on that was in the high 50s, around 56 to 57 million, only three months ago as well. So Xbox Live is really taking off uh, and growing as well. Yeah, for me, one of the big things that's been interesting this generation is how Sony and Microsoft have gone two completely different uh, directions as to what they want to do when capturing their audience and their gamers. And it's kind of been cool to see how Game Pass and backwards compatibility has had more interest than people initially gave it credit for. If you remember the big narrative at this thing is no one, narrative at the start of this generation is nobody wants to play backwards compatibility games. No one wants to play those old games. Well, that has flamed where we currently are moving to, to backwards compatibility being something more of almost a requirement for new consoles to come out. And Nintendo has had to kind of uh, give something in their online service to do that. Now Sony's thinking about what is the best thing we need to do for next generation for that. And Game Pass, you know, Game Pass has turned out to be a huge success and Microsoft should be, a, a, I guess, almost uh, complimented for it, I guess you could say. Um, I've played a lot of games that I never thought I would play. Um, and I've enjoyed most of them. Some of them, I'm kind of glad I never played them <laughs> after after playing them. But it, it's good to see that Microsoft's doing so well, and they have found a way to pick up from the ashes a successful end of towards their generation. So I like to see what they're doing and what they'll do next gen. Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Ooh. I don't understand the 64 million monthly Xbox Live users when they have much fewer consoles sold. But Xbox I mean, I, I, I understand. Yeah. Includes PC right. too. Oh, that's PC too. Okay. It says <clears> Xbox <throat> Live as a service, right? So if you okay. game on PC on any Xbox games, Forza, Gear, right. you're still going into Xbox Live. Yeah, and then last yeah. gen 360 still played heavily around the yeah, world. Yeah, right. Okay, that yeah. makes sense now. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, yeah, this is good, man. <laughs> like I said, I'm not a numbers guy, so I, this kind of thing just kind of you know, I just look at it and be like, and, and just like, okay, if anybody says that any of these companies are doing poorly, they're idiots. <laughs> so, um, and you will, and you know, with the backwards compatibility stuff, you know, I, we saw rumors for the PlayStation five this week, you know, just rumors. And, you know, I think that's a lot of that's because people have these larger digital libraries now and they want to be able to access these things. Sure. You know, we see even on PC now with Epic game store, you know, people are complaining about, you know, having to use two different launchers and stuff. Um, and they want everything in one little space. Well, that kind of goes to the same, you know, if, if Sony comes out and does not allow me to play my PS4 games on my PS5, I'm going to be very, very disappointed, you know, because I don't want to have 15 consoles sitting on my shelf. <laughs> I don't have room for it. So <laughs> this is, it's just, it just makes sense, you know, and as, as far as the numbers, I'm not, like I said, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much money is actually going into these things that people are, you know, and it blows my mind. I, I, just, I just can't even. I don't, think it, I don't think as kids we really ever imagined no. that it would have been this big and this popular. And it's only just getting started. It's right. going to continue to grow. Absolutely. So, um, but to your point, yeah, I think uh, you're talking about the digital services. I think, uh, you know, one of the things to Bert's point that Xbox has done well in the latter part of this generation is change that conversation. Because mm -hmm. without Game Pass, without backwards compatibility, next generation may look different. I don't think Sony would be pursuing it as broadly, but you know they've had a lot of outcry about not supporting backwards compatibility on the PS4 and PS now being a poor substitute for that. So I think it's probably forced Sony's hand to say, you know, we have to include it in the PS5. We just have to. Well, I mean, it's yeah. not like they can't afford it. <laughs> right. Hire a few more engineers. You yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I, I just have a couple, two quick points. And it's um, if you combine Nintendo, Sony, and, and Xbox and think about how much they're worth on an annual basis and you compare that to any other industry, it it, it makes everything else look tiny. Um, and it's, as Ain said, it's only going to get bigger. You add PC gaming into that, it's even crazier. You're looking at over $50 billion a year. So um, it's really hard to think of any industry. The other thing I think is funny is we've talked about this a couple of times, but if you think of what Microsoft's aim was at the beginning of the generation and they got trashed on and where the generation is ending, <laughs> it makes you wonder, <laughs> Microsoft was on it to the point as to where it was gonna go. They were just unfortunately poorly timed in their execution. You look at someone like Dan who is all digital and has talked about how they should have a better way of de dealing with digital stuff. Well, guess who talked about that at the beginning? And guess who said that physical was the only way to go at the beginning of this generation and where we are today? 
So it's just kind of funny. Gaming industry evolves like crazy. People's narratives change from whether whatever side you're looking at and where it moves to is always interesting. And I can't wait to see what the next generation brings along and what the narratives are at the start of that generation. Yeah, it's true, really. It is funny to reflect on. And, and to be honest, if you follow more of the corporate stuff, that's the story of Microsoft. They are ahead of the curve with so many ideas and inventions and industries, and then they just don't execute it well. And some other company comes along, executes it better, and they kind of take take it over. Apple's a perfect example. They, they know their market and they just, they optimize things well for the industry. Um, but anyway, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, the other funny thing about Apple as you bring it up is you should see the, how the talent recruiting that Apple tries to do from Microsoft staff. It always cracks me up when you hear about it in the, in the back end of the industry. Anyway. Like Picking them off, yeah. yeah. Don't get me started about Apple. <laughs> <laughs> me neither, to be honest, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. All right, so um, speaking of companies uh, kind of growing and changing, so Quantic Dream, you know, makers of uh, PlayStation exclusives, including the latest one I think we all love, Detroit. Um, mm -hmm. They have received an investment from Chinese company NetEase, the same company that invested in Bungie recently. Uh, with the news that they are likely going to be moving multi-platform going forward. So this could mean uh, games in the mobile space, games obviously on PC and or Xbox or Switch for that uh, matter. And uh, kind of interesting. We, you know, there's no concrete plans. We don't know what their next game looks like. But just knowing David Cage and that group, and um, we can probably expect it's going to be something similar in that vein. But, um, you know, we... I, I, We've talked about this briefly. I think Sony only guys are obviously upset here, which is kind of silly. From my perspective, this is cool. It'd be nice to see those types of games on uh, all platforms. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I, I can't imagine playing Detroit on my Switch. That would just be weird. But at the same time, I mean, this, this, it's good for everybody. I mean, it, things like this don't, don't really affect guys like us normally. No. So it, it's, it's just, but for those people that haven't got that up, that experience before, you know, either on Xbox or Switch, it, it, it'd be, you know, really cool for them to be able to play some of these games. What other ones do they do? They did a, is it Until Dawn? Is that Heavy a, Rain. Heavy Rain, that's the one. Yeah, Heavy yeah, Rain Beyond, and Beyond Two Souls. Beyond, Beyond Two Souls, yeah, I was getting those mixed up, mostly because I haven't played one of them. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I love Detroit. I'm glad there, you know, more people will be able to play them. Uh, this NetEase, I don't know where they came from, but, they, they are a big company, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Never heard of them until the whole <laughs> bungee thing. So, cool, man. Yeah. So, funny, funny question for you guys. Do you think that'll make the games from David Cage be not so sad and you know cry worthy every time you play them? <laughs> yeah. Like, David Cage, <laughs> man, he's got like such a dark story. Yeah. Thing, so I it's wonder. Film noir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, kind of. Yeah, funny. I don't but, know. Yeah. But, Sorry, go ahead, Buck. I was gonna say, Quantic Dream started out being multi-platform, and then they started uh, developing solely for Sony games. So um, it'd be interesting to see what that means and what the direction means. Which I is kind Xbox, of strange. Did they there. turn them down? Was it was it them that I, th I thought I heard something about Xbox turning down some project from them, but I don't remember what it was. And then know. then going to Sony. But you know what? I, anything you see on the internet, who the hell knows? So <laughs> yeah. yeah, so keep in mind that Quantic Dream is not a Sony first party studio. They just right. developed solely for Sony, uh PlayStation 3 and PlayStation 4 now. But they started out initially on PC making another game. I think it was called like Fahrenheit or something like that. Um and then they moved over to I can't remember the other games now that I think about it. Um, but anyways, they had a game that released on Xbox originally um, and PC and stuff like that. And then Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls were the ones that started out on PlayStation 3. And then obviously you have Detroit, which is PlayStation 4 only. And then they ported over Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls to PlayStation 4 as a remaster. So um, I don't know. I just, I just think it's funny because every time I play a David Cage game, I start wondering, man, am I going to just be depressed for a couple times? Is it going to be raining 24-7 in this game like all the other ones are? Mm -hmm. um, it's like everything's based in Seattle and someone got murdered pretty much is what they're about. So it's just, it's a funny, I love the game. There's just a funny narrative. Every single one is very similar in that, in that way. So I, I quickly looked it up. You're right. It's Fahrenheit came out 2005 for all platforms, PC, PS2, Xbox, yep. um, all that. And then, then way back in 99, they did their first game, which was called the Nomad Soul. That's what it was. And I think that came out on Dreamcast, right? Looking Dreamcast. You're right. Good memory. Okay. dude. Yeah. Good call. 
Yeah, so they, they've just come a weird way. The relationships with companies are always kind of interesting to kind of see what they end up doing. And I'm, I'm always interested with development just because my wife's a developer and, and web stuff today. So I always hear about the stuff that goes on in the back end. And then gaming, you had that being an awesome. We have so many development studios here that it's always interesting to me to see what they do. Like the memory, Bert, you're making us season gamers proud here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Bert, this one's probably for you. I'm going to guess Dan probably uh -oh. doesn't know a lot about this, uh, as neither do I. So Dragon Ball Z, Project <laughs> Z, is a ARPG coming out. We did. Uh, we got the rumor for it a couple weeks ago. We got an official trailer for it this week. Um, no gameplay, but rather just showing that it's a role-playing game uh, in the Dragon Ball Z universe that is going to tell the story of Goku. So I am at the end of my knowledge on the subject. Yeah, so I'll talk briefly on it. I did watch the trailer, and uh, the graphics look similar to something that was based in the Budokai world. So that is the fighter that uh, was initially released by Bandai, Na uh, Band Bandai Namco. And uh, I, they really didn't show that much gameplay as to how you'll be playing and interacting with fighting systems or anything along like that. But it does look interesting. The only thing that I'm getting worried about is kind of like I do with the Star Wars franchise is that they're going to start just releasing too many Dragon Ball things because they re-released the series, the manga, in Japan, and now it's Dragon Ball Super. Then they have two movies that have come out since then. Then they have Dragon Ball Z Fighter, or sorry, Dragon Ball Fighters has come out, and now there's an ARPG coming. So there's just a lot of Dragon Ball stuff coming from a series that ended, you know, 10, 15 years ago in Japan. So I wonder if it's going to be good. The trailer didn't really give us much aside from the fact that it's coming and they're working on a project. So similar to the Project Octopath, that was the trailer that released there and said, we're working on this and it looked really cool and you got a slight hint um, and a lot more than they gave us like on Metroid Prime and stuff. But it's cool to see that they're working on this. If it's released properly, uh, we'll see how it goes. The only thing is that if they're going to do the same story from Goku, they've done it about 15 times now in different ways, whether it be anime, whether it be a fighting game, whatever it is, they've done it a number of times. So how is this going to be different from the other Dragon Ball Z Goku stories? And Goku, he's also in Jump Force, right? Yeah, he is a character in Jump Force. There's also Frieza, who's like his nemesis, I guess his uh, his Joker to Batman. He's the same thing. Um, he's been around for a while. A lot of people like him. So we'll see if that means anything. They have talked about more Dragon Ball characters coming into Jump Force as well. So we'll see what that means. One might say Skeletor to He-Man. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Lex Luthor to your Superman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dan, I don't think you uh, have much. I have no here. idea what he said. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna right. go ahead and uh, move past this. So, uh, <laughs> Machinima, who uh, makers of all sorts of video series, have been kind of an institution for uh, quite a while now. Um, sad news here, and that they've been completely shut down. So, last month, uh, their videos just out of nowhere vanished off of YouTube. You, everyone kind of you know thought something bad was going on, turns out it was. So they merged with Otter Media, who is owned by Time Warner, and officially announced yesterday that Machinima is completely done, shut down, and all 81 people who work there are being laid off. Um, this just came out, I think last night or late yesterday uh, as we record this. So I don't have too much to add here other than it's, you know, obviously bad news. Machinima, I, I was never a huge fan, but I did watch some of their series over the years. And uh, it's just always sad, as we say, for people related to this industry, uh, even though it's inevitable that uh, to see just this come out of nowhere and 81 people just laid off. So. Yeah, I don't know anything about this either. Jeez, man, I'm slacking this week. <laughs> uh, is that the stuff they like, like the the red versus blue and stuff like that? Is that no? What that's that's, that's rooster teeth. Rooster that's rooster teeth. teeth. Yeah. Okay, but Machinima is similar in that they did you know those types of series. They did all right. kinds of like home produced stuff that was video game related and some other stuff as well. Right, that oh, sucks, man. I mean, you don't ever want to see people lose their jobs. Um, there, there's and there's nothing. Nobody said anything about how it happened. I mean, I just just weird. But, uh, that's the only news I got. This was reported. I saw by Game Informer last night um, yeah. that that uh, you know they said the only person who's still there is basically the head of it. I forget the person's name now, and she's already looking for other opportunities. So she's laid off too, but just kind of sorting it out, I guess. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it, you hate to see stuff like this happen unless you know they deserved it. You know, they said something crazy, racist, sexist, whatever the case is. You hate to see this kind of stuff happen, especially in the manner that it did. It just kind of disappeared as if it never existed. So yeah, um, I don't know. I used to watch a lot of their stuff back in the day. I've kind of moved away from the big outlets just because I don't really care for it as much as I used to. But it's really sad to see that 81 people are now unemployed 
unexpectedly or maybe expectedly. We just don't know what's happened internally. I'm sure it'll kind of leak out over time within the next few months, years, whatever the case is, will be kind of cool to see how it happened or why it happened. I'm always interested in that as well. So we'll see. Yeah, some of these people will start telling their story for yep. sure. Yeah. All right. Here's the big news report. Farm Together <laughs> has taken over social media. There's people playing it everywhere. Everyone's saying this is the best family co-op husband and wife and children game ever made. I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I know that Dan loves it to death. And uh, Dan is here to report for us what Farm Together is all about. All right. So <laughs> gifted by our good buddy from Third Wheel Arcade Band. Played it last night for about three hours. Let me... <laughs> three hours. Three hours. You were playing. I thought it was like a thirty-minute game session, not three no. hours. Three hours. I was I was gone for thirty minutes. Where Van actually did a lot of work on my farm, and I came back, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's gotten bigger." I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, it's. It, I don't. I've never played that. Was it Farmville or whatever for the Facebook game or whatever? I don't know what the hell that was called. But hey, it's Farmville. I never okay. played it either, but that's what it was. So, I totally understand where people are loving this game and using it, you know, to kind of interact with their kids, you know, and play with their kids or families. It's, I mean, total family game by, I mean, it's crazy, but it's also got that dynamic where it's, you know, you, you plan something, you've got to wait for a certain amount of time. And I, it's just, it, the waiting is what gets me. And, you know, you know, it's just you can't even buy microtransactions, which I guess is a good thing. But I would like to pay to like <laughs> you know forward some of this you know stuff. Yeah, you know, there's different. It's really in, actually pretty in depth, and there's a lot of stuff going on in it. I'm gonna probably continue to play it, but it, it's gonna be one of those games where it's like, okay, I'm done with Anthem. I'm gonna jump back in here, do my stuff. I'll come back tomorrow, you know, for 30 minutes. Hey, you know what, Mikey Barra and Phil Spencer. They're streaming this stuff. You can go watch them play it. It's a big, big game. You know, I just saw uh, uh, Mike Ibarra tweet with uh, this gigantic farm full of bunches of stuff, you know. And any, you know, every game's got its pluses and minuses, you know. I think for hardcore gamers, um, but even then some hardcore gamers, I, you know, I don't think it's really their cup of tea necessarily. You know, so, but I, I, I can see myself popping in and out. That's one of those games. I, I understand where the fad is coming from. I understand why people like it so much, but it's going to be one of those games where I don't dedicate a ton of time to, unfortunately, because there's so much other stuff. You know what I mean? But it's definitely got its appeals. It's a cute little game, and it'd probably be really good if you had some kids that, you know, are, are younger and you know, when I kind of get their first experience with like an Xbox or something. But, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is not for me. So, Bert, I don't know what you, if you're interested in farming together. <laughs> no one. I didn't, even, I didn't even know this was a thing. It wasn't until uh, <laughs> yeah. Dan sent a message about it that I, I once had to look up just a screenshot of what we were even talking about last <laughs> night. I was like, what the hell? Farm together? <laughs> so, um, I don't know anything Fair about enough. it. I've never actually seen the gameplay played on a video or anything. I'll probably do that after we finish up here just to see what it's all about. Um, it's, it's taking the world by storm, man. It's yeah. going crazy. Doesn't is this mean, so? So is this on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch, or, or what are we looking at? What I are we talking it, about here? I know it's on Switch, and I know it's on Xbox. I don't know if it's on PlayStation. I'm pretty sure it's on PC. Um, I, I think it should. It probably is on PlayStation. I, I imagine. <laughs> I don't know. Funny. But it's getting. You know, I checked the Metacritic. It's getting like a seventy something. You know, from. It's good. It's better than Sea of Thieves. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> whoa. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so you're saying there's actually something to do in this game? Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! Oh, All right. Oh, no. Where we at? Where we on the next one? Yeah. <laughs> so it, look, it looks like it's just Xbox One and Switch and PC. Okay. I don't know why it wouldn't be on PC. That's why I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, I never saw anything for it, so I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was trying to look at, but you know the funny thing about these types of games, right? This is probably a small company, mm -hmm. and you know their last game was Avatar Farm, so you know they they have a game like this, and it just becomes that social media hit, mm -hmm. and it's probably cool to see because the people who make this game are probably going nuts knowing that this is reaching so many people, and they you know it's like that lottery they've hit it now, right? Yeah, and, um, and the thing about it is you know there's no monetization to it except for the base game. You can't go out and buy extra coins or diamonds or whatever it is you need to 
build stuff. It's just you got to earn it all. So there's that's kind of nice, actually. Even though there are times where I would just rather buy as many <laughs> as I could. So apparently, it's on PC and Xbox, and it's coming to Switch. Okay. Um, is what I'm trying to look here. Launch day, first play, and maybe it is on Switch. But anyway, it's not on PS4. I don't know why. I, I would assume it would come eventually. But kind of funny, just to, we wanted to talk about it because we saw it just blew up over the past, what, like two or three days. And yeah, so they, all crazy. these people are playing it, and it just seemed funny to us. But yeah. All right. So closing out on this uh, cycle of stuff here, we've got one big rumor just to chat on because it's really interesting rumor, though we didn't report on it officially because it doesn't seem to have much backing. Um, but a whole bunch of sites now, including all the major sites, are reporting that Titanfall 2 has a Battle Royale version coming secretly tomorrow. Or as you're listening to this today, I guess. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, so it's supposedly launching on Monday. And the reason this kind of came up is that out of nowhere, Respawn and EA had a whole bunch of uh, very, very popular streamers and content creators um, come out to their studio to play a titanfall game so but supposedly not titanfall 3 and so the rumors started swirling and then people were saying well there's a battle royale thing being developed and now this has turned into okay a secret titanfall 2 battle royale game is releasing this week um the reason this is obviously just a huge rumor is there's nothing official being said about it you would think that if uh, a titanfall 2 battle royale game would obviously take quite a bit of development time um, and polish, you know, to get right, and that you would have to have a big investment to release something like that. For them to just secretly release this suddenly out of nowhere, especially for EA, um, that seems really far-fetched, and I think that's why we didn't officially report on it. But, guys, what do you think? The quick uh, news I heard about this was that uh, it's you're not, you're not going to be in Titans at all. It's going to be pilots only. Um, so I wonder if they're just running off that engine and things that were there before. I have to say that out of all the shooters this generation from an MP standpoint, Titanfall was my favorite from something fresh and new. I liked it a lot, including just the pilot combat. I liked it over Call of Duty, over the battlefields, all, all, over all of that. And it actually makes me want to go play it again. So I may actually try that again. If this is real and not just some hoax, the April Fool's joke ahead in February 1st uh, <laughs> time, um, I am going to be trying this out. Something I need. I need something fresh from the Battle of Royale area. That's not PUBG, because you know PUBG is, in my opinion, the best one when it comes to that. But I hope it's real. I want to play something fresh and new. Bring it on. So Apex Legends, right? Is what it's called. Is that right? What's that? I don't know. Is so, that yeah? Right. So here's this. This is fresh. Bang! <laughs> live. Live. New reports claim the Apex Legends will be announced via an ad during the Super Bowl. Tonight or oh, that's oh. right. So, so yeah. by time by time we report here, people are listening to this. We could yes. already be old news. Yes, we could be. <laughs> now, that if that happens, that's crazy. That if they because that's not cheap. But then again, it's EA. They probably made that much yesterday off of freaking Battlefront <laughs> microtransactions. So mm -hmm. it's probably not a huge deal. But I don't know. I'll play it. I'll try it out. Why the hell not? I mean, I wish, they were, I wish they were Titans. To your point, they usually spend, you know, I mean, depending on the size of the game, anywhere from 10 million to over 100 million in advertising, right? So if they just said, okay, we're going to wait, not do anything, and then surprise everyone with a Super Bowl commercial and a release, that would actually be a really unique way to launch something. That would be. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah but this this whole thing reeks of EA. I mean, it's just a free-to-play <laughs> game, Battle Royale, and we're going to charge the hell out of you for probably, you know, so much in-game stuff that you know you're gonna be broke so i mean i don't i don't know it's i'll play it once yeah it probably lose a lot yeah i mean if it's free if it's free, yeah, it's free right yeah so i mean go for yeah. it yeah well and to Bert's point i agree with you bird in that um the actual pilot to pilot gameplay take the titans out of it was still very fresh and fast when titanfall one first release man it was fantastic oh, i mean yeah. it's just amazing and the you know the grappling hook and the all the abilities you have, it was really cool. So I could see them doing this really well. And and Respawn obviously knows how to make a first-person shooter. So um, I don't know. It could be interesting. It, it, if it's done well, I would say I'd certainly play it over Blackout because that just hasn't done too much for me personally. So. Let's see how it is. If, if it's real, we'll see. Yeah, well, yeah. apparently we'll see before we even go live with this episode. So good yeah. times. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap that up. Let's go ahead. I got a question for you guys today. And that question is, 
thinking back to your childhood, because we've all game for a long time now, um, what game from the early years, so say, you know, pre-8-bit to 8-bit, this maybe 16-bit up through the early 90s, what game from your childhood had the biggest impact on you um, for the rest of your gaming kind of life? What game do you still think back to from when you were a child and think, man, that that's just the game that comes first to mind and that really did something special for you or moved you in a way? You want to go first, Dan? Or? I mean, unless you know yours, I don't know. I, I don't mind, and it's going to throw all you guys off like crazy. <laughs> SimCity. Um, ah. I played SimCity on PC. At this time, I was pretty much a PC person. I played it on Super Nintendo. I played it at school because I was in computer lit class, and there was a whole um, learning thing where you had to learn how to build a city and make sure it's, it, it survived. Um, it kept me playing PC for a long time, um, and it actually made me get into graphics and stuff like that. And uh, SimCity is what I loved as a kid. I still think about going back to it. Unfortunately, they kind of ruined SimCity, so it's not what it used to be, and it never evolved nicely. But Yeah. So watch out for that Bowser attack on the Super Nintendo version. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Great game. Yep. Uh, Dan, gonna, you got one? Yeah, I mean, this is going way back, and I, I don't know if I've talked about it before, I might have mentioned it before. It's called Venture for ColecoVision. Okay. And the reason being is that that was one of the first ones I ever played with my dad. Mm. And he kind of got me into, I remember when he brought that ColecoVision home. I mean, it's a super, it's nothing. It's a ColecoVision game. So you know what you're getting. You're, you're yeah. basically this little guy, little round circle guy with a face. And he's got a little bow and arrow. It's kind of like a little dungeon crawler. And it's, you know, you pick up some loot and you try to collect items and it, it's so basic but it was it was more just because you know being able to play with my dad and i think you know it was just kind of one of those that one moment that we really kind of connected on this medium you know and then from there you know we i kind of went one way and he kind of went a totally different way so it was it was that was that one game where it's like oh we're gonna play it was that and zaxxon zaxxon was a great game yeah. you know those two games i always remember uh, playing with him, but those were two of my favorites. So that's awesome. Um, for me, I, I don't know. I've talked about it before. I know, but it's been a long time. It would probably have to be Fantasy Star on the original Sega Master System. Um, it was at the time I, I said before I was a Sega kid. I didn't have the NES at the time. Got Fantasy Star for Christmas when I was ten. Japanese role playing game back then. Very dated, you know, mechanics and very difficult played it for a very long time and it's still one of my favorite games today. But what that did was open me to Japanese role-playing games and then which led into the 16-bit era with like uh, Shining Force and Final Fantasies at the time, two and three on Super Nintendo, some of the greatest games ever in my opinion. Um, and just all those later um, Japanese role-playing games in there, what I consider still to be the best era of JRPGs back in the 16-bit days. So anytime I think of a game from my childhood, Fantasy Star comes kind of first to mind. The only other game, and I was going to say, I don't know, Dan, um, Bert, you can probably relate. The only other game that really had a huge impact was Doom, the original Doom, because when Doom came out, it blew my mind. I mm -hmm. built my first PC, or bought my first PC, I should say, for it, played it, and then that opened up my eyes to first-person shooters and started getting into some of the other PC ones at the time. And then GoldenEye came out a few years later and into Halo, and that's been my life since then. So, Yep. The other one I could probably mention is Counter-Strike, just because I played the hell out of ah. it. I built probably three different PCs throughout time just to run that at its highest. So. <laughs> Still play today. Yep. <clears throat> All right. All right, Bert, um, uh, we got one review today. going to be Resident Evil 2. Um, Dan has played 28, <laughs> 28 minutes of it, I think. That's about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm a I'm still uh, I'm still working my way through it, and uh, Bert has played the hell out of it. I think you finished both Leon and Claire's uh, initial campaign, right? And yep. uh, and so you're writing a review for us. Let us know what you think is our biggest RE fan. Yeah. So uh, to go back, I've played every single Resident mm -hmm. Evil, including some of the mobile ones and Revelations, which is more of like an action one, and then unfortunately Six, which is more of just a shooter that goes crazy. But um, Resident Evil 2, uh, not my favorite Resident Evil game of all time. I would say Code Veronica or even 4 are my favorites, but it is up there in the, in the top few games. 
And all I can tell you is uh, the Resident Evil Remake is one of the best games of this generation, in my opinion. I would rate it at a 9 in our scale, and the only reason I wouldn't give it a 10 is because I have a few gripes, and if I was to round off, I'd be closer to the, to the 9 scale versus the 10, so it's not perfect in my opinion. But um, I absolutely love this game. Um, this is the definition of a remake slash reimagining of any game that has come out this generation. We've seen a lot of remasters, a lot of remakes, I guess you could call them, like Shadow of Colossus, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, things like that. Those are remakes. This is, in my opinion, a bit of a reimagining because it is completely a new game. They've added new things. They've changed things in the game. Some story elements have been changed, and uh, it's been fantastic. Um, Ains is correct. I did start out with Leon, uh, completed that full playthrough. When you finish that, they give you an option that's called a second playthrough or a complete new uh, playthrough. And the reason is, is because when you play as a second playthrough, the character you didn't play goes through all the things you didn't do in your first uh, playthrough. So things are different, things are moved. They both approach the police station, which is kind of the center of the game differently. And then they go through the mansion differently. And then I'm not gonna ruin any spoilers, but there's other stuff outside of the mansion that happens differently. Uh, characters are different and bosses are different where locations of certain items are are different um, and to play the game to its fullest you have to play it four times through so if you start out as Leon you'll play Leon then you'll play second playthrough as Claire that's one complete playthrough I guess then you got to flip them and play as Claire first playthrough and then come back as Leon as second playthrough to see what he does. So um, very important to do that, by the way. Um, some reviewers didn't quite get the, the memo when playing the game, and they thought one playthrough was all you needed to do. No, that is very incorrect. Um, so check that out. After you finish both playthroughs, a whole new mode unlocks, which is really cool. I'm not going to ruin it for you. I'll just wait till you get there, um, and you can play that. Um, and my first playthrough, so another great thing about this game is that it's not that long. So my first playthrough with Leon was about six hours. My playthrough with Claire was somewhere between the four and a half to five hours, and that's only because I've played them before, so I kind of knew where a lot of stuff was. Um, graphically, it's amazing. I think it's one of the best-looking games this generation. It's not perfect. There's a few lighting issues, a few screen tearing, and a few uh, clipping that happens with a few games, but it's still one of the prettiest games this generation, in my opinion. So even if you scare easily, Dan, um, <laughs> I highly suggest playing this game um, and kind of... Uh, absorbing things because there's things that happen in this game that really get your blood pumping, gets you running from something in particular. I'm not going to mention what it is. Um, there's things that scare you, but also you prepare for it as you do stuff. And as you play throughout the game, your skill of the game improves. And then the game throws another curveball at you that you have to learn something from fresh. So absolutely loved it. Um, if you are new to the series and you never played the original one, this is going to feel just like a brand new game to you, something that is new this generation. It does play really well with where we are in this generation. We've seen a lot of older games that try to get ported and their control is still off, doesn't quite feel like modern gaming. This one does. So play this game. I loved it. I can't, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I can't be more excited about this game than, uh, than I am. So I absolutely loved it. Nice. So so yeah, I mean, I, 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 like I said, I'm playing through it. I'm a few hours in, uh, four or five hours into to Claire. I started with Claire for the hell of it. Uh, Mr. X is annoying me a bit. We've talked about that. Um, but here's uh, one thing I want to ask you. So, you, you know, I agree with you in that it's, it's really a, a well done remake and they've brought the clunky mechanics from Resident Evil 20 years ago um, to where it feels like a modern game, which is excellent. We both loved Resident Evil 7 as well. Um, I thought Resident Evil 7, excuse me, was fantastic. And I actually liked the first person perspective of Resident Evil 7. I thought it was fresh and kind of, I don't know, I, I feel it engrosses you more in the horror experience. So the rumor came out this week, Resident Evil 8 is in early development. It is going to go back to third person. So they're going to scrap the first person perspective, go back to third person. What are your feelings on that now playing Resident Evil 2 remake um, that's done third person so well? um coming from resident evil 7 which i thought did first person so well what what you know what do you think about that i'm a traditionalist i i preferred the third person mode because you see your character struggle you see their body change as they get hurt and things happen you see things around you differently than you would first person however i thought resident evil 7 did it amazingly well so um the, to me, Resident Evil 7 was, in my opinion, almost a reboot of the series. I thought they did it very, very well from like the experience of the game. Some of the stuff just scared the crap out of you. Um, kind of unfortunate that they're changing it. I wish they would give you like a hybrid to where you could choose what you want to do between mm -hmm. first person and third person. But I've, I've always preferred Resident Evil in the third person. 
Okay. So just personal there. Mm-hmm. So after playing this game and the Resident Evil 7, what do you think the chances that some of the other ones like Code Veronica and mm-hmm. Resident Evil 3, what, what do you think those chances are that those actually get remade now? There is rumors that RE3 has already been in development in the background after this one. Um, they the, Even Capcom went as far as to ask, what do you think about a Resident Evil 3 uh, Nemesis uh, remake? And so um, the, the thing that's different here is this one did go through a long uh, development cycle. All they would need to do is use the same um, elements, the same textures, the same everything, and just bring that into the Nemesis world. So, however, I preferred Resident Evil 2 over 3, um, just because of the gameplay and everything. But I think it's very possible that it'll happen, especially with the commercial success of Resident Evil 2 Remake. Yeah, this this game was selling something like 40% better than RE7. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been a big hit. I agree with you. I like 2 better than 3. I actually didn't care for Nemesis that much. I would, to yeah. your point, I would much prefer to see a remake of Code Veronica. I thought Code Veronica was brilliant. Um, and, you know, playing that game now on PS2 or Dreamcast is, is a little rough. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Um, but be, it's yeah, nice. Yeah, I would think that 3 would be the next step and then maybe Code Veronica. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I do think it's a possibility, though. And it would be really cool to see four, like on Xbox Oof. One X or something, you know, like done up. That'd be yeah. cool. So the only thing is weird is that four has been ported to the Xbox One and PlayStation Four already in a remaster, not a remake um, standpoint. Yeah. So they would have to do that one from scratch. But Resident Evil Four, um, from a review perspective, is the highest reviewed out of all of them. So uh, I loved Resident Evil 4, by the way. I think it was something fresh, something different. And I think Resident Evil tries to reinvent itself quite a bit, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. So we'll see what yeah. that means. I know some people have Resident Evil 4 as one of their favorite games of all time. Yeah, it would but, be in my top yeah. 10. It would be in my top 10, not not top three or anything, but top 10. Nice. All right, cool. So check out Bert's uh, re- uh, written review as well on the site. And uh, any questions for him around Resident Evil 2, let us know. All right, guys. Um, so obviously, been playing Resident Evil Two. What else we've we been playing, Dan? I know uh, other than Farm Together, which you know we've we've touched on. Um, you've been playing a whole lot of Anthem, which uh, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're liking more than you even thought you would. Yeah, it's really bothering me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's just I, I don't typically. I mean, I I love ARPGs. Don't get me wrong. It's just I don't typically get into that kind of game. I, it's so Mass Effecty. <laughs> for lack of a better term, that it's really, really giving me all those kind of, you know, I hate using the word feels, but that's what it is. It's really kind of bring me back to that Bioware glory days, you know, good Mass Effect and kind of ARPG games, Mass Effect 3 and 2 and even Andromeda. And that, I think it just, it plays so well. The gameplay works well when the buttons work. Sometimes they don't. <laughs> um I, I I can see myself really getting into this. It's been really really fun. We had a pretty good time last night, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll probably play it some more today, even though there's literally not much else to do. <laughs> it's just you know, I enjoy, I'm really enjoying it. Um, aside from that, I started Final Fantasy 13 for the second time in like two weeks. Um, I don't know. It's Final Fantasy, so. <laughs> 13 yeah. i don't i don't think i ever played 13 um and either, yeah it's one of the few that i haven't played so the one with uh lightning and snow and, oh right 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 yeah right. yeah okay. so they just got remastered yeah for, you know did the xbox enhanced upgrade or whatever it is they look great for what they are they look really really good so um i'm still kind of pushing through that one I, i'm enjoying it i guess <laughs> a little bit um it's just I'm trying to get out of this first area, and it seems like it's taking way, way, way too long to get out there. And I think once it opens up a little bit, I'll probably enjoy it a lot more. So we'll see how it goes. Cool. Bert, what are you playing besides uh, Resident Evil 2? I know we wanted to talk about Kingdom Hearts 3. We were saving that for you, uh, as we typically do. But uh, that game, after 44 years in development is finally out uh reviewing pretty well players who were looking forward to it seem to be quite happy with it uh what are your thoughts yeah i'll i'll give my full review next week because i'm only about 10 hours into this one so i can't give a fair shake at it but um if you love (laughs) kingdom hearts or if you love disney or where those come from or any of the old square games that you kind of grew up with the game's magical (laughs) i mean it's it's uh, there's so much charm to it. There's very, very high production value. It's really pretty to to look at. 
some of the gameplay elements that I've played so far are not as as tuned as I was hoping they would be, but it's got a very steep learning curve with how you use the game mechanics. And if you don't do that, if you just button mash it the whole time, it's a very bare game. But if you play a lot of it, it's really cool. The worlds I visited are fantastic so far. The first one was kind of boring, but then the other ones have been really, really good. Um, it's really fun. I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say it was worth the wait <laughs> of the development cycle, but um, it's it's been really fun. Another cool thing that I could mention about it is if you never played the old ones, there's like six 30-minute re- uh, videos that explain what has happened in the in the story since then, which is kind of cool because there is... Um, six 30-minute six videos? Three yeah. hours of video? Three yeah. hours it's, uh, of video? It's, it's pretty long. I, I, I've only watched the first few, um, so I don't know if they're all 30 minutes long, so don't quote me on that. Oh. But I only watched the first few because I did play the standalone games, not the mobile games. And one thing to keep in mind is Kingdom Hearts 3 is not a direct sequel to 2. It's a direct sequel to the mobile game, which is called like Drop Sequence Something Something. Um, but if you played the first two and are just jumping in 3 and didn't play mobile, you will still be kind of up to date with what's happened and you're fine watching those videos to see what's up. But um, like I said, if you love Disney, I mean, it's um, it's something very special to see all this kind of come together. And that's kind of what Kingdom Hearts is about, seeing the Square and, um, and uh, Disney characters come together in some weird story. Now, the story is not for everybody, including myself. I'm not a big fan of what the hell is going on. But um, it's still cool to see the fighting, the, the, the worlds you visit with those characters and how you interact with those characters in a really cool way. So I'm enjoying it so far. Um, also played Anthem. Um, I don't, like I said before, I don't love it as much as you guys do. I think it's it's really fun. Um, I think th- I think the game's going to have one hell of a steep learning curve for newcomers that don't play ARPGs as much as other people do. Um, and funny enough, this is going to crack you guys up, but I think the best thing about the game still is the sound. <laughs> it is awesome. It is awesome if you can boost the sound on your speakers or headphones and just hear the booms and the crackles and on the lighting things that are happening as well. So it looks really pretty. But um, man, if you're playing foreplay and you're fighting kinds of stuff, it's really hard to know what the is going on because um, there's so much going on. I've, we played together, as you mentioned, and I got down so many times by things I had no idea what the hell they were. Um, and then at some points, there was just too much going on that I was wondering if my Xbox was going to blow up. So, uh, But it's cool. Uh, to Dan's point, it does feel a lot like Mass Effect, but with like Titans or something, if you can add that in there. And then, man, that comparison to Destiny is stronger than ever, in my opinion. But yeah. you know, that's that's the worst thing to say these days, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, I'm in the same place. Really enjoying Anthem. Uh, I don't have too much to talk about in terms of currently playing because I'm playing Resident Evil 2 and Anthem, and then other than that, just PUBG, which we've talked about at length. So, but Anthem, I, I ran it last week about the loot system. I still feel similar um, even after playing max level in the demo. I think that um, there's just opportunities there to really expand uh, the op- uh, availability of different things for the for the javelins. But it is a little broader than I initially thought, which is good news. But yeah, Dan and I have played a few hours the past couple days together, had a lot of fun. I love the world, and um, it just plays well. It's fun to play. Mm -hmm. Very polished. Very polished, even for a demo. I think it's really pretty. Yeah, it's pretty. looks good, runs good. I've seen some people on PC side having issues, but that's pretty typical of a big AAA game because there's so many variations on PC. Um, And I've heard that the standard Xbox One and PS4 struggle a bit, which doesn't surprise Mm -hmm. me given the scope of the game. But uh, other than that, we'll see. It's only a couple weeks to launch. Remember, um, if you have EA Access, Origin Access, uh, February 15th, you can play that game. So less than two weeks now until it's officially launched. So, All right. So that's uh, that's good for what we're playing. Um, let's go ahead and move on to Name That Game. Dan, you are hosting us this week. And uh, if it is a obscure game from 1964, I'm going to be rather upset with you. So I was not alive in 64. <laughs> All right. What we got? Let's get we us got, started. Let's get, uh, yeah, who's up first? Um, I was I up first remember. last week. You put Ains. Let's put Ains. All right, go on. All right. This is a game. That's the first one. <laughs> All right. Released in 1992 for the PC. Oof. Gosh. It's Oof. Pretty, it's pretty, yeah, it's, I, I had to be vague because it's it's there's not a lot of info on this game. Right. Wolfenstein 3D. Yes. 
All right. So what are we talking about next week? We, we're already done. No, I don't know. Is that it? <laughs> I thought you were serious. <laughs> Would it be crazy if you actually got it from like the first question? <laughs> uh, been awesome. Okay. Is that really your guess, Ains, or are you just throwing yeah. some random? No, no. That's really my okay. guess. I'm going to go with a game by the name of Quarter 7. <laughs> Dan's like, <laughs> what you hear? <laughs> Ains. All right, Bert. That was wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh... In 1993, this game was ported to the Sega Genesis. Holy crap. <laughs> the game I always bring up, Syndicate. No, no. Okay. Yes, this is, that should be your first answer to every question. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the game that everybody loved back in the day. Syndicate. One day it's going to be Syndicate. Yeah. Like, holy shit. 93. Budokan. No. Jesus, that game. No. <laughs> Budokan. Rough. Yeah. All right. There's a reason these, these first questions are very, very vague. Because there isn't a whole lot of info on this game. But it was an awesome game. Okay, number three. It was widely regarded as one of the most influential games of all time. Jeez. 93. In 93 for the Sega Genesis. And so, 92 so quick- for the PC. It's a quick question, and it's not really a cheat question. But when that when that statement was made, was that on the PC or Genesis that that that? Uh, I, th- I think it's it could go for both, and really it mm-hmm. wasn't like it wasn't ported. It was it, I shouldn't say ported because that's a really bad. I should go back. It was it was made for the PC and then also developed for the Genesis. Yeah. I mean, it was ported, but very there two separate. De- yeah, there there were two separate people developing it, but same game pretty much. I need to steal your guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. Sid Meier's Pirates. That is not it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that game, though. 93. Man, you're in my wheelhouse here. Early 90s Genesis, and I'm Genesis. going blank again. Yo, you'll get, you'll, you guys will get this for sure. Sid Most Meier influential was. game, potentially, of all time. What, um, it, not, not the one, but one of the most influential games. Jeez. Uh, Golden Axe. No. Nope. Number four. Bird always be going to Golden Axe. Yep. Great, great game. Still not Golden Axe. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually ported to Android in 2013. Oh, man. I've got it on my phone right now. That's a free one. Uh, this is going to be one of those duh games. Maybe. Oh, Jesus. Uh, 93. Fantasy Star. Gosh. <laughs> no. No. Oh, no, no, no. Go to go 14. <laughs> the sequel. <laughs> the sequel. You've got it. Oh, my God. Android, what can you play? They ported a lot of their crap over from Sega, so that makes it difficult, actually. Mm, that's why it's number four, not number two. Dude, I, I've, I'm at that point. I've gone completely freaking blank. How do you go blank on Genesis? Like, I owned everything for Genesis. Uh. <laughs> Did it have a Sega 32X port? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, guys. Uh... Doom. No. That was not, it wasn't, yeah, I know. Go Did ahead. Okay, so this, this is where it starts getting a little easier for you guys. Okay, so you get to play in the game as one of three different factions. Oh, dang it. Oh, dang it. Factions. I know we say it every week, but when you're sitting here thinking it about sucks. it. It freaking, yeah. Three different factions. And by the way, we've had people comment that they've gotten it before us the past like three weeks in a row, so we're embarrassing ourselves there. I have an idea what it is, but I don't think it is it. Factions, factions. Um, no, that's Saturn. Shit. Shit. I I'm, I don't want to hold us up forever here. I, I've got nothing, man. I really don't. Um, Alex Kidd. Yes. <laughs> um. Is it Warcraft? No. Dang it. Is that on Genesis? Because that would have been awesome. No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know. I'm just thinking of influential and 
All right. This one is going to really get you going here. It was developed, so narrowed down quite a bit by Westwood Studios. Ah, dang it. Command and Conquer. That is wrong. Dang it. Herzog's Y. You thought I was going to go there, but I didn't. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, No. No. All right. All right. One of the reasons it was so influential is because it introduced technology trees, resource gathering to fund unit construction to this now popular genre, the RTS. That's fucking Command and Conquer. Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, right? Oh, hold on. What was that called? Oh, shit. This next one will give it to you. I, I, I can... I can picture yeah. the box of the game I'm thinking about, but I don't know if that's it. Actually, not the next one. One after that, will. Oh god, what's it called? Um, Starfield. No. <laughs> I can picture the box. I can't think of the name. I feel like that game, like Starfield, like it probably is a game, but I don't know. No, it really is. Probably the wrong name. <laughs> Resource uh, gathering came on the Genesis and PC in '93. Yes. Jeez. The first one to do this. <laughs> Shit, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to pass. I have no guess whatsoever. All right, that's, now we're getting now we're getting yeah. easier. Yeah. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Aside from the other factions that you're contending with, this should make it super simple. You have to contend with these giant versions of these hermaphroditic creatures that you normally see when it rains. <laughs> Battle toad. Yes. This is the best I could do without basically saying what it is. <laughs> All right, so let me, let me read that again. I'm going to take Battletoads as a guess. Aside that, that, from that's the, my guess. I don't have anything on that. Contend uh, with giant versions of these hermaphroditic creatures that you normally see when it rains. Think about this. What do you normally see? A toad. No, God damn it! Where are you in Texas? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm... All right. Earthworm Jim. Damn, you're close, but no. That's not RTS at all. Right. Uh, Okay. Now this one. This is it. This is it. This is what we're doing. I gotta get it up. Brains. Our viewers are like these guys are idiots. The game is based off a set of novels and a 1984 movie. Oh my gosh! Starring amongst other people. I know what it is. Patrick Stewart. I know what it is. Dang it! Patrick Stewart. I mean, he's in it. Dang it! Should have got this earlier. I don't think I'm going to get it, Bert, so hold on. Oh, he's done. Read that last one again. I'm going to read the last one for you. I'm going to help you out. This is number nine. Based off a set of novels and a 1984 movie starring, amongst others, Patrick Stewart. I can give you another guy's name, but I won't. No. No, Bert Bert, (laughs) Bert got it. it. This is my last shot. No more clues. I'm blank. I feel uh, this is embarrassing. I should have this. This is one of the first PC games I ever played. It It was so good. It's going to be so obvious. No, it won't be. For Bird, it will be. Maybe. I could be completely wrong. I thought I had it before and I was not. I was wrong. Put them all together, boys. Bogo. (laughs) He brings out hermaphroditic creatures. (laughs) Right. All right. Hermaphroditic. Creature. If I said what it was, it would probably give it away. I, I seriously don't have it. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Dungeons and Dragons. Are you? Are, no. Are you passing like I've had to do? Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Go for it. Is it Dune? Yes. I'm going to give that to you. It's actually Dune Two. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> one of the other ones I had was that. Actually, it's called Dune 2, but it is not a sequel to yeah. a game, which is weird. It's actually, for the Genesis, it's like Dune Battle for Arrakis or something like that. My number 10 was The Spice Must Flow. If you wouldn't have gotten it from there. Do you know what Dune is, Ains? Please tell yeah, me. You know. I saw it in the theater, and I fell asleep. 
God damn it. Damn it. I'm glad you got it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, that yes. was... I, I I think people that are really into that game back in the day are kind of like got it at number four or five, but man, Seriously, that game that game was hard to play on Genesis. I don't think I ever played it. It was very hard to play. They actually there was yeah. no saves for that yeah. game either. You had to put like codes to get to that levels. But the, yep. the thing that I did not know about it, the key elements that first appeared in Dune Two that appeared in other RTS games, a world map from which the next mission is chosen, resource gathering, like we said, simple base and unit construction. Building construction dependencies like a technology tree, mobile units that can be deployed as buildings, different size or factions, uh, each with unique unit types. This is all first stuff for the, the RTS genre. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize it was so groundbreaking as far as, you know, RTS goes. I loved it when I played it. Hmm. You picked up the seven Genesis games I've never played. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Yep. Uh, that's funny you mentioned the whole code thing, though, because one of my favorite old games for Genesis was King's Bounty, and like it had no saves, right? So if you wanted to continue, you had to input this code that was, if I recall correctly, something like sixty letters long. Oh my god! Oh it yeah, was, it was bonkers. That's... So anyway, all right, Dan, yeah. that was another tough one. Dan's coming with the tough ones. Yeah, he comes in hard. Yeah, we got to step up our game here. Yeah, because I always guess. So <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so that's closing out BitCast 44, guys. We've got a couple things up on the site. We have episode two of our Backseat Gaming series with Dan playing Shadow Warrior 2. Really, really funny game. So if you haven't checked that out yet, please do. Uh, Bert created a video this week on the Rabbit Engineering 3D printed console miniatures. So if you've never seen those before, they're really, really neat. They make for good collectibles or good uh, gifts for people who are in the you know into games as well. And uh, as usual, we'll be working on some other things behind the scenes here that we hope to have soon. So anything else from you guys? No, nope, just be on the lookout for some new stuff coming. Always uh, fun to release those uh, videos for you guys and we'll be open to feedback. So let us know. Yep. Okay. okay. Uh, lastly, I am doing a giveaway right now for either Anthem or Division 2. Uh, platform of choice. So uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find all of us on Twitter. But uh, if you look on Twitter, you can find that giveaway. And uh, I think I'm ending that next weekend uh, as you're listening to this. So uh, if you want to enter that, feel free to. Very simple to enter. So I'm going to get in on that. Yep. <laughs> so thanks as always, everyone. We will talk to you next week. Have a good week. See ya.